thankful for everybody that's here. Um, for those that are not here, maybe you're tuned in online. If you claim yourself to be a saint at Power of God Pentecostal Church, a member, um, I'm just going to ask you to do something real quick. If you're watching or if you watch this later, uh, just click on there and type here or watching. I see you, Pastor. Do something. Um, I'm getting ready to jump into something. Before the coronavirus hit, COVID-19, I uh, started a series uh, and called it The Seven Consecrations of Our Apostolic Identity. And uh, as I started that, we went through uh, one God, Jesus named Baptism, Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, and uh, COVID hit and put everything to a halt. And uh, I'm getting ready to jump into something uh, that I feel is very important for our church going forward. And uh, we're going to jump into holiness. And I'm going to ask, if you're, if you're watching online, the reason I ask for you to comment you're here, because if you're not there, I'm going to make CDs. And I don't make about anything mandatory. I pray everybody will just do things because they love the Lord and, you know, they want to join in. But uh, I'm going to ask every saint, if, you're, if you miss out on a service, uh, we'll print the CDs. I'm going to ask you, if you will, please, please, please just listen and uh, be a part of what we're doing. And so if you will, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter 3 and 15. And then we're going to go back a couple of pages to 1 Peter 1 and 16. And we're going to try to dig deep into the Word of God. And uh, I don't want, I made a joke the other day. We were sitting out there playing Foursquare. Thank you, everybody. Man, we had a great time. That's everything I wanted to say. I knew I was forgetting something. Thank you, everybody that came out Monday. Man, it was a great time of fellowship. The food was phenomenal. The fellowship was fun. The uh, volleyball was great. I'm still trying to figure out Foursquare, but I'll get it figured out one of these days. But, uh, man, it was just a good time. Good to be with everybody. Thank you, everybody that's able to come. And... Uh, Looking forward to that. But I made a joke as we were sitting out there playing four square, and they was trying to tell me the rules. And, man, there was a long list of rules. I made a joke. I said, man, this game has more rules than my Wednesday night Bible study is going to have on holiness. And, and, and it was just a joke. And I was thinking, I, I, some people probably there night when I said, hey, be here on Wednesday. We're going to teach on holiness. There's probably some people's mind that went, well, the pastor's going to hit us with some rules and regulations, and he's going to just go down the line and, and uh, give us to them one after another, and go ahead, Pastor, what, what, what do we got to do? But that's not what my goal is. We're going to get the, to the apostolic standards, but my goal, what I want to do, I want to teach holiness, if that's okay. There's more to holiness than just the shalls and the shall nots, and we'll get to the shalls and the shall nots, and they're important. But holiness, there's something, the Bible, there's a reason the Bible calls it the beauty of holiness, and I'm afraid there's a lot of people in Pentecost that they get it in their head and they live their life and they, I don't do this and I do this and they never, though, get it down in their heart. And I want to try to do my best. I'm going to do my best to try to unpack it. We're going to stay here as long as I feel the Lord leads us to stay here. and We're going to just dig deep into the Word of God. And I pray when we're done that we have a revelation of why we live like we live and why we act like we act. Man, the second preface I'm going to put on this, if everybody will, I understand it's just human nature as we jump into this, that there's going to be people probably, more than likely, it's just part of being in a church that's probably going to fall on the left or the right of where I'm teaching on a certain night. And, but I'm going to ask you, just give me the time, because there may be one week as we delve, delve into this and dive into this, that somebody says, man alive, what's this, this guy, does he believe anything? And the next week, somebody may say, man alive, this guy, he preaches against everything. So don't, will you guys give me the space, the longitude, the latitude. Wait till I cut the whole cake and we get to the end and you can bite into it. And Don't just take a layer. Everybody give me that, give me that space to try to do that. Man, I'm not an ugly preacher. I'm not a mean preacher. But hey, man, I, I want to teach what the Word of God says. I'm not here to sit here and just preach Jonathan Coffee 2 and 4, but I want to preach what, what the Word of God says. Amen. It'll change our life. So everybody give me that time. Everybody allow me to do that. Amen. 1 Peter 3 and 15. The Bible says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. 
Peter here, he's writing, he says, listen, I want you to do something. I want you to know why you're doing what you're doing. I want you to be able, when somebody asks, you be able to tell them why you have that hope. Why you're like that. We started this series off talking about Samson. He said, if you remove the seven locks of my hair, my consecration, he said, I'll just be like any other man. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in just being like any other church on any other corner. But I want to have power and authority with God. Is that anybody's prayer tonight? I, I want to be who God called us to be. I don't want to model myself after anybody else. I want to be what this word of God says. Flipping back one, a couple of chapters to 1 Peter 1 and 16. The Bible says, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen. We're going to jump into this tonight. The seven consecrations of our apostolic identity. Holiness. I just wrote on here part one. I'm sure we're going to spend some, some time here. You may be seated. Amen. In the presence of the Lord here today. I'm going to do my best. to. That's why I didn't let the service go too long. My family was gone, and I had a couple people tell me, said, hey, you probably got to bed earlier than you have in a long time. And I said, uh, unfortunately, no, I went to bed later than I had in a long time because I didn't have to go home to anybody. Nobody was expecting me other than the dog, and uh, I stayed up here and studied half the night. So I've got plenty of notes, so I'm going to do my best not to hold you too long. But uh, I do want to jump into what the Word of God has to say. Uh, and I'm going to do my best to slow down, so... Write it down. If I get it done, I'm going to try through this whole series here to, to slow down and teach. And uh, as we begin to jump in this, uh, whenever you begin to look at an apostolic church, you'll begin to notice there is some distinctives about us. We, we are a little bit different than everybody else. We dress a little bit different. You if you were somebody first walking into an apostolic church, you would notice that uh, our women, they don't dress provocative. They, they're wearing skirts. They don't have makeup on. Their hair's not cut. Our men, you know, they look over at the men. The men are clean shaven. They behave differently. And we're, we're just a different people. Man, it's not because we're weird. It's not because we're some cult somewhere, but it's because we try to base our life on the Word of God. And there's certain things about us. There's uh, certain entertainments that we abstain from. There's certain things that society may do that we try to veer away from because our goal is to be holy like the Lord is holy. Man, whenever we start talking about holiness, uh, the phrase that is commonly used, the term that usually gets brought up is our holiness standards. Another way some people say it is it's our standard of holiness. And while I use those terms and while those are terms you'll probably hear me say, and uh, they're used a lot, I think uh, probably a really good term to put on it would be to call it our apostolic distinctives. There's certain things about us that we embrace and we believe that make us distinct and separate in our teachings of practical holiness. Uh, when people, I, I don't know about you, but I, I've worked around people and people will begin to notice that uh, you're a little different and they'll begin to ask you first out of curiosity, at least for me, baby, uh, your experiences have been different in life and uh, the question begins to come, well, why uh, do you dress that way? Why do you act that way? Why, when you smack your finger with a hammer, do you scream hallelujah instead of letting some four-letter word fly? I mean, I, it don't take real long to figure out you're different whenever uh, you just live your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It just you, you stand out. There's something about it. The Bible says we're peculiar people, and we'll get to that. But uh, when the when the world begins to ask, uh, why do you live that way? And we tell them, well, I'm trying to live my life after the Word of God. I'm 
trying to uh, live my life in accordance to God's teaching. A lot of times uh, people may become defensive because uh, everybody, there's a lot of people that feel I am a Christian and I do not adhere to what you're teaching. Uh, uh, what are you trying to say? Am I saved? Am I lost? What are you trying to get at? Not is not the purpose of why I'm trying to teach this. I'm not trying to sit there and put anybody down or lift anybody up. But my goal is to dive into the Word of God. And while the world may look at us a little different and wonder uh, why, why, why do you live that way? Why do you dress that way? Why do you act that way? I've noticed... Uh, in the apostolic church, in one God, Jesus' name, Pentecostal church, is that uh, there has slowly over time become a bit of a fear of preaching about holiness and preaching about righteousness and separation. There's a worry that if I have a visitor, will I offend them? There's a worry that will I offend a saint? Will I uh, uh, will I uh, hurt somebody's feelings? And, and Behind that, I, I've watched, it's not everywhere, there's, there, and I'm not saying every church is this way, but I, I begin to notice as churches begin to, well, they'll preach, well, we need to live holy, we need to live separate, but uh, the practical lifestyle of it, we kind of just skirt around. And I've watched as this begins to happen, and there's uh, two things that have come out of this, out of people and pastors. Uh, hey, man, I'm a pastor, so I'm speaking for myself uh, there's two issues that have come out of this. I've, I've walked, I, I've evangelized for three years, and I've realized that in Pentecost you have a gamut from one end to the other. I can promise you, there's not churches that many around us. I grew up where there's more churches, but I promise you that within, I don't know how far, I haven't found all the churches around here, but I guarantee you there is a church somewhere around here that is so strict that people would say they preach against everything but fresh air. I'm sure there's someone around here that fits that mold. Amen. You don't have to say man, but I, I'm sure that's around here. And I guarantee you if I drive around far enough and look around at something flying under the banner of Pentecost that I'll find a church that goes under the banner of Pentecost that is on the other end of the spectrum that doesn't believe, amen, what we would say would be a lick of holiness, if you'll allow me to say it that way. And as we begin to look around, it's easy to try to, to compare ourselves to this church or compare ourselves to that church. But the Bible says, he that compareth himself amongst themselves, he is not wise. My goal here today is not to compare myself to church so-and-so or church that church over yonder, but my goal here today is to compare myself to, to the Word of God. I don't care if we're the most conservative church in the state of Pennsylvania or if we're not the most conservative church in the Pennsylvania. My goal is to be a church that is pleasing to an almighty God. Is that anybody's prayer here today that says, God, I want to be holy because you are holy. I want to live a life that is pleasing to you because not for, the, not for the, somebody that will pat me on the back and say, hey, you look good, you're doing it good, you can be a part of my club, but I want God to look down and say that's somebody I'm pleased with because they have a spirit of holiness here today. And so as I've watched this, there's two issues that come from when pastors or churches or, or, or individuals uh, begin to step back and worry and not begin to preach and to name and to go down the line and begin to teach it. I've watched as two problems begin to happen. One problem that will come is Phariseeism. The first will be that people begin to believe that they are living a standard. They will get the do's and the don'ts. They'll have their dress down to their ankles and they'll have their sleeves past their fingertips and they'll, they'll follow all the rules and the regulations and they feel that because I follow the rules and because I follow the regulations and because I do everything that I was told to do that because of that I have favor and merit with God. Now let me, we'll get there. Let me tell you, there is something about holiness that pleases God. Don't misunderstand me, but, but catch the point. 
point of what I'm saying. Uh, it was the Pharisees that, that, that dressed right. It was the Pharisees that had everything all together. But Jesus looked at him and said, hey, on the inside you are full of dead men's bones. Uh, I'm not interested in being a church that everybody knows, hey, power of God, Pentecostal church preaches it strict. And we're going to preach it straight. And we're going to preach it right. And we're, we're going to teach what the Word of God says. But I, I'm not interested in being a church where you walk in and we got our dress right and our hair's up and we don't got makeup and there's nobody doing anything that looks wrong uh, but on the inside we're full of gossip and we're full of backbiting and we're full of hatred and we go on the job uh, and we don't give our employer a good day's work uh, and we fight amongst us and we backbite and we go down the line uh, and we don't have joy and we don't have peace and when everybody looks at us uh, it ain't something they want but I want to be a holiness uh, that is pleasing to God the second problem I see on the other side, this ain't everybody, but I don't want to fall on either category. So this is one of the things I'm saying, just hang with me. Don't, don't fall off the, off the wagon with me yet. On one side, you've got those that, are, that, that, that believe, well, I'm just going to do it. My righteousness will be me, get me saved. Let me tell you, our righteousness, amen, is as filthy rags. If you're trying to get to heaven on your righteousness, you'll never make it. Amen. That's why we got to put on his robe of righteousness. That's why we got to endeavor to be like Jesus. Amen. I don't want to be a Pharisee, but on the other side of it, I don't want to be one of those that are letting go of holiness as fast as they can because it's restrictive and it's bond and it's holding me back. Let me tell you something. Uh, holiness is not bondage. Uh, holiness is freedom. Uh, holiness is liberty. There's something about it. Uh, I've been in churches that have holiness and I've been in churches uh, that are in the process of letting it go. Uh, and I can tell you there's something about the glory of God uh, in those that have made up in their mind and said, God, uh, I want to be like you. Uh, there's something about it that God puts his seal. Uh, God puts his stamp uh, on somebody that says I'm going to be holy for he is holy amen I'm going to try to slow down I'm going to get excited and preach that's not, not my goal here today amen the problem with either one of those sides with those that are trying to follow the rules because they feel that's their special thing that's what they've got to do and, and we do got to do that don't misunderstand me but uh, we got to get the principle behind it and those that are letting go the issue with both sides is they don't have a revelation amen what uh, if, if, if we're going to be careful we got to make sure we are teaching holiness we got to make sure we're teaching it right we got to make sure we're, we're drawing lines and we got to make sure we're teaching the spirit and the reason why we do it man I've noticed what isn't taught in the church will soon won't be in the church you get what you preach amen that's why I preach revival that's why I preach the new birth that's why I'm going to preach holiness because we are going to be a church that is pleasing to God amen the next thing I want to jump in we're going to lay a lot of groundwork tonight and I promise you if, if we'll get there we'll 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 go all the way down the line I'm not going to stop until we covered all and the Lord tells me we're done and, and we're going to keep going but one thing I, I, wanna, I wanted to cover and the reason I'm going to try to slow down and teach and slow down and not yell and, and there's just something inside me man I, I, I get excited about God and I like to yell and jump and run around and I was thinking up here tonight as I pace back and forth we're probably going to have to change the carpet up here before anywhere else because I'm going to burn a hole in it as I walk back and forth non-stop but there's something that I, I, I want to address. The reason I'm going to try to teach and the reason I'm going to try to slow down and just talk to us because I've noticed sometimes that when holiness is preached, it's preached from a defensive position. It's preached from that position of, hey, bless God, you better believe what I'm preaching. And, and it's almost preached from this spot of, believing that hey the church isn't going to agree with what I'm preaching I, I'm going to have to preach this hard and I'm going to have to preach it heavy and I'm going to have to get it out there because it's probably not going to jive that well and I, I, I've, I've watched as preaching has gone forth and they preach it rough and tough and they preach it holiness or hell and while the theology of that is true because the Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 14 follow peace with all men 
and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Yes, it is holiness or hell. Yes, the theology of that is correct. But while I can take this Word of God and preach it and make this a hammer, I have the ability to stand up here and just pound the living daylights out of everybody. And while I may pound it into somebody's head, you will never pound this into somebody's heart. But if we can ever reach back and get a hold of a revelation and understand the beauty of why we live this way. Uh, we don't live this way because a pastor stands in this pulpit and says, hey, you got to wear a dress. And no, you can't wear makeup. And no, you can't go here. And no, you can't do this. Uh, the reason we do this uh, is because we fall in love uh, with the Word of God. If there's ever been a time for the church to fall in love with this word, it needs to be today. Amen. As this world is being compassed about with every wind of darkness, of doctrine, it's time for the apostolic church to come back and say, God, what is your doctrine? What is your word? What is your holiness you want me to live like? Man, I, I, I can stand here. I wrote this down. That you can pound it into somebody's head. I could use this as a hammer and just come up here and pound away and preach. My goodness, we got to do this and you got to do that and you're going to hell. And, and I, I, I could tell you this, I wrote this down. You may get somebody to adhere to holiness, but you'll never get anybody to get the revelation of holiness. I'm not interested in being a church that whenever we ask, why do we live that way? You say, well, pastor says it. I don't know why we do it. I don't know what the reason is. But I want us to be a church that says, I know why I live that way. I understand for some of you good saints of God that's been in this thing 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that this is old hat to you. I'm sure this is teaching that's came down the line that you've got deep. But we've got some young saints and we've got some new people. we got young people that maybe they, they haven't heard this. And so we're going to do our best to get a hold of a revelation I, I want the next generation growing up to know uh, about the beauty of holiness I, I, wanna, I want them to understand uh, and know about the power of an almighty God man there next thing I, I wanted to cover is holiness is tied to the glory of God man I already touched on this I got ahead of myself but there is a connection between the glory of God and the holiness of a heart and the holiness of our lifestyle. I've noticed the more a church lets in the world, the more the glory of God fades out the back door. Another thing I've noticed about the glory of God, it's never, it never is here today and gone tomorrow. I've never been in a church that said, uh, as I evangelized, that said, man, one Sunday we was having revival and the next Sunday it was dead as a doornail. But I, I've watched as churches begin to start talking about what used to happen and the victories we used to have and the revivals that used to take place and the deliverance that used to happen. And I've noticed something. The Bible talks in Ezekiel 10. I'm going to preach this one of these days if the Lord will let me. But Ezekiel starts talking about the glory of God departing out of the temple. And all of a sudden it was at the, the house. And then it's, it begins to move back. And he takes us and it's to the threshold. And then it is at out of the house of God. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in the glory of God departing out of my life. I'm not interested in God's Spirit being removed from me. There is times that I go to the prayer room and I begin to talk with God and all of a sudden it's not as close as it once felt and it's not as quick to get into that place with God and all of a sudden I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not getting a breakthrough as fast as I want to be and it's in those times. Uh, there's times that God's just silent. There's times that there's a test. So don't misunderstand me. But there's certain times in my life when I begin to realize, hey, Jonathan Coffey, you're getting a little too carnal. You're allowing a little too much of the world in, and you're slowly losing the presence of God. And it's in those times that I got to come back to an altar and say, God, forgive me. God, let me get my focus right. As a matter of fact, I just did it. I just went through my phone the other day, and were the apps in? No, it was Instagram, and it was it was some different apps that are time-wasting for me. And I, I was just praying 
praying and the Lord impressed me and said, hey, you're spending too much time checking your feet and you're spending too much time checking this out and looking up this and it's taking too much of your time. And I began to be impressed. Hey, I'm just going to delete it for 30 days. I'm just going to cut it out. Why? Because I don't want to lose the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in 10 years talking and say, hey, you think about the services we used to have and think about the revivals we had when I first was here. I don't want to get to a place where we lose the glory of God, but I want to make up in my mind and say, God, whatever carnality i got to push out, let me push it out. Why? Because I want the glory. Whatever of the world that's got to get cut out, I want it cut out because I want the glory to be in here. I want revival. I want victory. I want the miraculous. I want the glory of God here today. I don't want the world to come in. I don't want my children to have to fight things that I should have killed. The Bible says, we won't get into that. I'm gonna, I'll preach it sometime. But I, 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 don't want my, I want my children to grow up knowing about the glory of God. I remember growing up, it shaped me, it made me who I was. That every service we came in, that prayer room was hopping. And the service was moving and people was being baptized and people was coming in. That's the kind of atmosphere I want my children to grow up in. And whatever it takes, I've made up in my mind, my children are going to have the glory. My, my little boy, my little girl is going to know what it's like to see people healed and see people saved. Uh, hey man, is there anybody here today that says, God, I want the glory of God. I don't want to lose the glory, but I want the glory of God to fill this place. Uh, I want it more powerful than it's been. I want it stronger than it's ever been. Uh, I don't want to substitute the glory, uh, amen, for the world. Uh, I don't want to substitute the power of God uh, for strobe lights and fog machines and colored lights uh, because you watch a church that loses the glory uh, and all of a sudden what used to bring the glory, uh, they have to find a substitute for it. Uh, and they try to do it in smoke machines and fog lights uh, and fancy music and better songs and prettier programs. Let me tell you something. The glory of the God will draw people. The glory of the God will bring revival. This ain't in my notes, but I'm feeling a little inspiration right now. Moses walked off a mount. He had just told the Lord, show me your glory. He walks off a mount. Three million people in the middle of a valley. Now let me tell you something. If there was three million people... I've wondered this as I've read it, and I think maybe I just got the answer. I've always wondered, how did Moses walk off the mount with three million people scattered in the middle of, of, a, of, a, of a valley there and get their attention when he walked off? How did he get their attention that they all turned around and understood Moses just walked off a mount? Because the Bible says that Moses had just been in the presence of God, and Moses had the glory, and Moses' face shone. Can I tell you, church, I want to be the church when people look at me uh, that they notice there's something different about you. Uh, there's something different about your walk. Uh, there's something different about your talk. Uh, what do you got? Uh, I'm holy. Uh, I've, been a, I've been in the presence of God. Uh, I've got an experience with Jesus. Uh, amen. I've been a hold uh, of the glory of God. Anybody hungry for that? His glory will draw people. His glory will get the attention of people. Hey man, you, you want to know a key to revival? Get the glory. Hey man, people aren't looking for what's dead. People aren't looking for what's dropped up. They're looking for something alive. Hey man, if they want something dead and dried up and just a program, there's one of those on every corner in town. But people are looking for something that'll change their life. They're looking something for that'll set them free. And let me tell you, I can't preach good enough to set them free. We can't sing good enough to set them free. We ain't got a good enough Sunday school program to set them free. You want to know what'll set them free? It's the glory of God. It's the power in the demonstration. Hey man, you know what's going to bring it? It's going to be a church that falls in love with holiness. Hey man, we got to have the glory. Hey man, I got to slow down. Try three, take three for slowing down. Next thing I wanted to cover 
here today as we begin to just lay our baselines here. And uh, hang with me. I know I keep saying that, but I, I don't want to bore nobody, but I want to I build a foundation for where we're going over the next week. We may be here. I made a joke, sister. I think a sister, uh, Anthony, made the joke. She said her pastor, when she was growing up, started teaching through Psalms. And it was like a year later or something, he was still teaching through the Psalms. He was even longer than that. Amen. We may spend this whole year trying to teach through the seven consecrations of our apostolic identity. But, amen, we're going, we're going to do our best with this. Next thing I wanted to cover as we begin to lay our foundation. Holiness must start from within. Before we ever get to holiness standards, before we ever preach the first shall or shall not, before we ever preach and start saying, well, we're going to do this or not do that, we must first understand that holiness must first begin right here in the H-E-A-R-T. See, you can follow all of the rules I could stand up here tonight and just, man, preach away. You do this and don't do that. And this is where you need to wear it. And this is how. But can I tell you, if you walk out of here and say, yep, pastor preached, I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this. You can walk out of here following all the rules and still walk out of here without holiness. You can still walk out of here without a heart that is holy. You can walk out of here, I said earlier, with your dress to your floor and your sleeves past your fingertips and and, and, and go home and pour miracle growth on your hair so you have even longer hair and you still could walk out of here not holy. You say, how is that, Pastor? Uh, why, why do you say that? Because if I just preach and teach the standards, and, and hang with me, if you're, if you're just waiting, man, Pastor, preach the standards, we're going to get there. But I first got to lay this foundation because if I preach the standards and I don't preach the spirit of holiness, if I preach the standards of holiness and I don't preach the spirit of holiness, uh, hey man, you can get a hold of two things. One, you will walk out of here saying this is a burden. It becomes burdensome. I've seen those people, I grew up with them in my youth group that said, well, why, why, why do you live that way well because my pastor says I have to and my church says it's what we do and if my pastor changed it I'd change it tomorrow and and, and if he let us do something different I'd do something different I just do it because that's what pastor says and I had those young people in my youth group I grew up with them and and it's those that to them it's just a burden let me tell you I don't want holiness to be a burden I dress the way I dress not because it's a burden but because there's some things I got in a prayer room I, there's some times in some camp meetings where I got alone with God and all of a sudden God began to God began to touch my heart there's certain things I do in life uh, that my pastor, it's stronger than what my pastor taught. Do I look at somebody else and say, hey, you're not saved because you don't do that? No. It may be even stronger than what my pastor teaches but I got in a prayer room by myself uh, and God began to mold me and shape me. Uh, amen. I don't want this to be a burden but I want this to be something uh, that we fall in love with. Uh, I want this to be something that you say, you know what? Uh, the world didn't give it. Uh, my pastor didn't give it. Uh, my friends didn't give it. Uh, and guess what if your pastor didn't give it to you uh, and your friends didn't give it to you uh, and the church didn't give it to you uh, but God put it in your heart uh, let me tell you there ain't nobody that can take it from you uh, when God gave it to you come on if we just live this because pastor preaches let me tell you hey man somebody can take it from you because it's not yours but when you fall in love and get a spirit of holiness on the inside of you, there ain't a pack of mules, there ain't a train big enough that can pull this out of your spirit. The other problem that we have, if, if, I, if I preach the, the standards of holiness and I don't preach the spirit of holiness, is we run into something that, other, that some people like to call legalism. And it's the thinking that you are going to work your way into heaven by good works. And when you approach it by that measure that I'm going to get into heaven because I dress right. And I'm going to get into heaven because I act right. And I'm going to get into heaven because I. Legalism is all about I. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to live right. And I'm going to get to heaven. And I'm going to dress that way. I'm going to do it. Let me tell you, I can't do this on my own. I, I recovered this early, but the Bible says in Isaiah 64 and 6, if you're taking notes, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Hey, man, 
the Bible, uh, sorry, I'm skipping ahead of myself. Uh, if, if we start thinking that I'm going to be saved because I'm doing the works, let me tell you, you missed the boat of this. It's not about my good works. It's about falling in love with God and saying, God, make me and mold me in a manner of holiness. Now, on the flip side of that coin, I don't want anybody to leave here tonight and say, well, Pastor said it doesn't matter about works and it doesn't matter what I do. Let me, let me tell you, there is a flip side of that coin. That works won't get you to heaven. Let me tell you, you can't be good enough on your own and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my way into heaven. If you try to get yourself working into heaven, you're not going to get there. But on the flip side of that coin, why you can't be saved by works alone, you sure enough can be lost by works alone. Because the Bible says in Revelations 20 and verse 12, And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And then in verse 13, And they were judged every man according to their works. I don't want anybody to leave tonight misunderstanding and say, hey, pastor's trying to say it don't matter about my works. It does matter what we do, and it does matter how we dress, and it does matter how we talk, and it does matter how we live, and it does matter how we conduct ourselves. But I'm trying to get us to understand that it takes a spirit of holiness more than just somebody saying, I'm going to follow the rules. But if somebody can fall in love with a revelation of holiness, it'll keep you. It'll save you. Uh, it'll lead you through dark hours. Uh, it'll bring you out pure as gold, but you got to come back and say, God, uh, let me fall in love with holiness. Man, jumping on more at this principle, inward holiness must precede outward holiness. You've got to get it on the inside before you ever get it on the outside. I'm thankful for those that Come in and, man, line up right off the bat. They don't even got the Holy Ghost. and They come in and they adhere to the standards. And that's great and that's awesome. But, hey, man, let me tell you, I'm more worried when somebody comes in off the street that they get the Holy Ghost and that they get, amen, fall in love with the Word of God. Hey, man, the reason for that is two. Well, first, we'll go to Jeremiah 17 and 9. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. Above all things, and it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? Amen. Well, I went longer than I thought. Amen. I'll try to quit within 10 minutes. I'll try. <laughs> so uh, the first issue, I've heard people say, I, I know my heart. I, I, I know what's in my heart. Let me tell you here today, none of us know our heart. Jeremiah said, my heart is deceitfully wicked who can know it? Jesus said it like this. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart, it said, it's coming from the heart, proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. Matthew 5, 18 through 20. I've watched as the world has decided... Or I'm, I'm not a political guy. I like to listen to politics, but I don't bring politics to the pulpit. I, you'll never hear me preach politics from the pulpit. But I, I, I've watched as this world has decided that guns are the problem. And whatever side of the fence you fall on, I bet you probably everybody here does not have a problem with guns in here. This is not, it's not a problem here. But take my, take my example here. And so they've decided that guns are the problem, and they're going to legislate guns out of the equation. If we take the guns away, we'll take murder away. Can I tell you that taking away, making a rule about the guns will not solve the murder problem. They'll find a knife. If somebody wants to kill somebody, they'll kill them. Amen. And I begin to think about that in the practicalness of a church. Do you know what? I can stand up here and make a rule all day about adultery and say, hey, hey man, and we got to have rules. You should you don't commit adultery. If you're married, you don't got no business being with nobody else. Don't be kissing or hugging or loving on nobody else. God gave you a wife. Stay with them. Do what's right. But can I tell you, I can make every Every rule in the world and say hey don't commit adultery but if you have adultery in your heart you're going to commit adultery no rule I make uh, will stop somebody from going out and committing adultery uh, hey man we I can make every dating guideline I believe we should have dating guidelines going forward and we'll get there one of these days but I can make every guideline in the world uh, but if a young person has fornication in their heart there ain't no rule on earth gonna stop somebody you get in the picture of what I'm saying uh, but if somebody will fall in love uh, 
and get their heart holy and they'll get their heart clean and they'll get their heart pure. There ain't nobody on earth that can get them to fall because they've fallen in love with God. Amen. If you, somebody, if you've fallen into sin somewhere in your life, you know what you do. You get up, you brush yourself off, you repent and say, God, I'm going to be holy. I'm going to fall in love with you. Amen. There's something about it that'll change your life. So I'm trying to say that while the pastor does have to preach, can't commit adultery, there should be rules and standards in the church, and there should be teachings. You don't lie, and we're not going to cuss, and we're not going to do all that. That that's the the. The hope is not in me making a list long enough and checking it off enough that we can do it. And while we're all going to preach it, but my goal here is for us to fall in love with holiness that says, you know what, God, I'm going to live this way because I want to be holy and I want to please you. Amen. I want to live this way because I, I want to be holy like you are holy. Amen. There's something about it. God takes a heart and begins to, when we come, the Bible says we come, we have a stony heart. We have a heart that is hardened. But whenever we come to an altar and we repent and we get the Holy Ghost and you get baptized and you get your life changed and you get your life turned around, the Bible says that He gives you a new heart. He gives you a fleshly heart. Uh, Amen. There's something about it that my God is able to take the precious blood of Jesus uh, and to cleanse us and to purify us. uh, Amen. And be able to to live a life that is holy. Why? Uh, Because we have the Holy Ghost living down on the inside of us. Can I tell you... uh, You can't have true holiness uh, until you have the Holy Ghost. Uh, We must have the Holy Ghost in our life. Uh, That's why it's important to pray in the Holy Ghost. Uh, That's why it's important to live our life guided by the Holy Ghost. Uh, Because I can't be holy uh, without a holy God living down on the inside of me. Amen. I don't live holy to be saved. I live holy because I'm saved. I'm not living this way to try to get some thumbs up from God. I live this way because I want to please Him. And and I'm living my life in a way that I've had an experience and I have a a revelation of who He is. You know what? I'm married. And there's certain things that I, I, I do and I don't do. Not because I'm worried about making my wife happy or mad. But there's certain things I just do because I know it pleases my wife. There's certain things, there are certain things I don't do that I should do. I know it'd make her happy if I did more dishes, or I know it'd make her happier if I'd do the laundry more. She's probably watching right now and she probably could type a hundred things I, I could do that would make her happy. But there's sometimes in life there's some things I do or don't do just because I know it makes her happy. And it's the same way with God. Uh, there's some things that uh, I just do because I know it pleases God. Uh, hey man, I'm not doing it because my pastor says, hey, you gotta live that way, but I do it because uh, I want to please my master. Uh, I want to please my Lord and my Savior. Uh, I want to please, please my God here today. Amen. You can't work your way into heaven, but works are an outflow of a holy heart. If we are going to be a holiness church, we're going to have to have a heart transplant. We're going to have to have our heart like His heart. And when you get a holy heart, it will produce a holiness on the outside. Matthew 23 and 26. The reason I teach this is because Jesus taught it. This ain't something pastors teaching just because I, I thought it was a good idea. But this is what the Word of God says. Jesus, this is red letters, Matthew 23 and 26. He says, Thou blind Pharisee, first cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, 
Ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but ye are within full of hypocrisy and iniquities. He said, you're like a whited sepulcher. You look perfect on the outside, but in the inside, you're full of extortion and you're full of dead men's bones. Uh, amen. Before we ever start working, and we're going to get to the outside. Hang with me. We're going to preach and we're going we're to go down the line. But before we ever get there, we must first understand uh, that we got to get the inside of our heart right. Uh, I don't want to be the prettiest coffin in town that I've got a nice white sepulcher but inside I'm full of dead men's bones. Hey man I want the outside to look good. Jesus said you cleanse the inside first uh, and don't leave the outside undone. He said yeah you you get the outside looking good uh, but while you're at it make sure you get the inside right first. Uh, What are you saying pastor? Uh, Before we ever start preaching about getting the outside right first uh, we got to come back and say God first uh, I'm going to get the inside cleansed out of me. Uh, Hey man God first I'm going to get lying out of me. First I'm going to get backbiting out of me. First I'm going to get sin out of me. First I'm going to get get wasting out of me, time out of me. I'm going to get cussing. I don't know what, whatever, probably nothing you need to get out of you. But hey, hey man, whatever you got in your life that you know is holding you back from pleasing God. First things we got to do is say, hey God, I want to be holy. I want to get the inside clean and pure first. You understand what I'm saying? I'm making sense here today. Amen. I want the inside to be clean. I want the inside of me to be pure. And then it's going to show up on the outside of me. The next thing, and I promise, man, I've got three minutes. Three minutes and I'm halfway through my notes. This ain't good. Hang with me. <laughs> I promise I'll be done before midnight. <laughs> if you get it in the heart... It'll show up on the outside. But if you just get it on the outside, there ain't a guarantee it's going to show up in the heart. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to get it on the inside, church, and it's going to show up on the outside. The next principle I want to get into, and I'm going to go fast, is the principle we got to understand that we are the Lord's. There's a term in the Bible, I believe it's in Galatians. I didn't write the verse down, but I pulled the word out. The word is redeemed. It comes, comes from the word Ex, ex agordezo, ex agordezo, something like that. It's been a while since I went to Hebrew and Greek school. Never went, but hang with me there. If anybody's good at it, I need to get that little app on my phone that says all the words for me. But the word redeems, it comes from a term that meant to buy something back or to purchase something. Anybody ever been to a pawn shop? My dad loves going to the pawn shop and... He, he loves going down there, and he's never one to go pawn his stuff. He's trying to go find a deal. That's my dad. If you knew my dad, any deal he can find, that's what he's all about. But I, I've been around my dad enough to figure out what all a pawn shop is about. And best I understand, you walk in there, you're hard up for money, and you walk in there with your, your grandfather's gun or whatever it is, and you give it to the guy and say, hey, I need $100. They give you $100, and they give you a little ticket. And you go back in four weeks, give them whatever, $100 and some interest, and they give you your gun back. But if you don't get back, they put it out there on the shelf, and that's when my dad comes nosing around trying to find a deal for something he can do. But if you decide after the time has expired, and you go back and decide you want it, you have to do what is called redeeming it. And that's when you have to go back in there, and you have to pay the price for that gun, or pay the price for that toaster, or whatever it is. My dad has a welder that he bought, and he's so proud of that welder because of the deal he got it. But, and he, 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 he loves it, but somebody lost out on the welder. But if they wanted to go get that welder, they was going to go in there and have to pay the price for that welder and to buy it back. And I begin to think about us today. Every single one of us, uh, amen, has been on that pawn shop of Satan's house. Uh, amen. The Bible says that when we was born, amen, when Adam and Eve came out, they was, they was formed perfect. They was formed in peace and they was formed in fine. Uh, but somewhere they fell along the way and their sin and their soul was locked up in the devil's pawn shop and Jesus walked into that pawn shop and said hey I want that back I want that soul back I want that saint at power of God Pentecostal church and he paid a high price for us he paid for it with the precious blood of Jesus he walked us out of the pawn shop dusted us off cleaned us off amen Paul said he began to go through things and said such were some of you amen I'm sure if we pass the mic there's some people here today that could 
and say, Pastor, I used to be, but now I have been bought. Now I've been washed. Now I've been cleansed. I've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 19, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 says it this way. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. And ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He said, I want you to understand something. You are not your own. We got to understand that America is the home of the free, or the home of the brave, and the land of the free. Is that right? Say it right. Whatever. It's something. Those two terms there. I might have mixed them up. But that's what America. We're the home of the brave and the land of the free. There it is. I think that's right. And that's what America is. But that's not what you are in the church. Hey, man. I am not my own. I am not free. I have a Lord and I have a Savior. Everybody wants a Savior. Everybody wants somebody to wash away their sins. But he said, hey, I've got to be your Lord and I have to be your Savior. I don't live the way I want to live. I live the way my Lord wants me to live. I don't do what I want to do. I do what God wants me to do. Why? Because He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He bought me with a high price. And I've got to please God. Amen. He told him, He said, Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. He said, You glorify Him in your spirit. That's the inward man. He said, You're bought with a price. You, you glorify God on the inside, but he didn't leave it there. He said, you also glorify God with your body, which is what's on the outside. Now, when somebody tells me, says, hey, it don't matter what's on the outside, let me tell you. Take, I take them to 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 and 20 and say, hey, it matters what's on the inside and it also matters what's on the outside. It's my job to glorify God on the inside and on the outside. I, I've... And I'm almost done. I've noticed something. Whenever we talked about glorifying God on the inside, we, we talked about that here. But Paul, he also said, hey, while you're glorifying God on the inside, don't forget there is a flip side of that. And you've got a job to glorify God with your body. I've noticed something. In the military, you look at somebody in the military and you can tell somebody's in the military by how they dress. And how they act. Go all the way back to the Revolutionary War, the red coats. Everybody know who the red coats were because they wore red coats. That's deep theology right there. That's as deep as it's going to get tonight. But you can tell somebody's in the army because they've got army fatigues on them. You can tell somebody's in the navy because they're wearing a navy outfit. What they wear defines them, defines who they are. Sports, you look up sports and about every sports team, they're going to have a uniform that's going to define whose they are. Wait for your postman to come tomorrow. He's going to wear something that's going to define who he is. You go to Chick-fil-A, and you're going to find somebody that's wearing a uniform that's going to define them by who they are. I put this in for all those, for Brother TJ and Sister Merriman right here. You go to Raising Cane's, and they'll be wearing an even better uniform. That was the, if I preached a lick of truth tonight, I preached truth right there. Write that one down. That was, that was truth. <laughs> Somebody should have ran the aisles right there. <laughs> but they're wearing something that defines who they are. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1 and 22, Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. That word sealed speaks of the signet ring wasn't a ring that they wore on their hand or their finger, but it was a stamp that every fa family had that whenever they would begin to have a document or they would have something, they would take that signet ring and they would begin to stamp on it the, the family signet and would let everybody know that, that, is, uh, that that's the coffee signet and that, that is owned by the Sterlings because it has, excuse me, 
their stamp on it. Uh, can I tell you, you want to know what I believe holiness is? Uh, when somebody gets a true spirit of holiness on them, uh, on the inside and on the outside, it's God taking his stamp uh, and putting it on them and letting the world know they are mine. Uh, they're different. Uh, they're peculiar uh, because they have my stamp on them. You say, I don't want to be peculiar. Well, First Peter 2 and 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and in to this marvelous light. He said, you want to know what you do uh, when you dress like you dress uh, and you live like you live on the outside when people see it. Uh, it's so that you can show forth the praises uh, of him who hath called you out of darkness uh, and into this marvelous light. Uh, when somebody looks at us, they should be able to understand uh, that they got something different. Uh, they got a hope. Uh, they got a life. Uh, they got something that I need. Uh, amen. To show forth his praises uh, into this marvelous Lying. We are representing a holy God and we must represent Him well. Man, I'm going to close with this. We'll stop. It's almost, I've almost went an hour. There's people that say, well, Pastor, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. So let's hop over to that verse. It is Samuel, 1 Samuel 16 and 7. And while this is not a holiness scripture, while this was not used in the context of teaching holiness, it was teach, Samuel was looking for a king and he's saying, don't pick the tall and the handsome and pick the one I want. But while, while that verse is there, let's unpack that verse for a second while we're there. We're almost done, but we'll stop here with this. He looks at him and he says, I want you to understand something. Man looks on the outside and God looks at the heart I can't see your heart I, can, I, I can't tell what's in your heart I can listen to you the Bible says out of the abundance of the mouth the heart speaketh I, I can't tell what's in somebody's heart I can't look at you and tell but I, I can listen and, and tell what's going on a little bit with somebody because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh but the Bible says man can't see the heart only God can see the heart but then it says man looks on the outside and and some people want to say, well, hey, well, if man looks on the outside, the outside's not so important. It's just the inside. But let me tell you something as I read that. If man sees the outside and they can't tell what is in the, on the inside, how much important that the outside of me portrays a godly, holy life. That when somebody looks at me, I can be full of joy and I can be full of the Holy Ghost and I can be full of peace. But if I walk around with a frown and my head down and act grumpy, nobody's going to know there's anything different. But if we understand that I need holiness on the inside uh, but the only Bible some people may ever see uh, is Jonathan Coffey walking up and down the grocery store uh, the only Bible some people may ever see is Brother Dave Sterling at Save-A-Lot uh, the only Bible some people may see is you walking through the park uh, then Lord uh, I want them to be able to look at me and say hey uh, there's something different about you uh, what do you have uh, and you can tell them I've got a holy God uh, living down on the inside of me uh, I dress I live this way because I want to please a holy righteous God man if we'll stand here today I'm going to go ahead and close amen I, I want us to be a holiness church I want us to be a church that is separated Bible still says come out from among them be ye separate saith the Lord touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I want God to receive us. Anybody's prayer that says, God, I, I want to please God. I want God to receive me. I want God to, to be pleased with me. But here on the first night of us jumping into holiness, I want us to come back to the place where we say, God, I don't want to get just the, the, the rules and the regulations down. I don't want to just adhere to some guidelines that pastor says, and that's what pastor says. And while I do want us to get there, and I do want us to do that, and while we do it, you look around the church, we're, we're a blessed church, we're a great church, we, we're a church that we've got, we, we've got holiness, but amen, while we're going forward and we grow and we move people in and people come and get filled with the Holy Ghost, I want us to be a church that has true 
apostolic, biblical holiness. I want to be a church that is holy on the inside. A church that is free from sin and shame and, and worldliness and all the things that go down on the inside of us. But I also want us to be a church that has an outward manifestation of separation and holiness here today. And you know where that starts? It starts with a church that comes back and says, God, I just want you on the inside of me. I want to come back and get a relationship and a walk with God like I've never had. I wonder tonight as we close this out in prayer, I'm not going to have the music come or an altar but I wonder if we couldn't just lift our hands uh, and begin to just talk to God for a second and begin to say God uh, Lord begin to cleanse me on the inside of me uh, Lord whatever may be in my life that doesn't need to be there uh, whatever may be holding me back that I don't need to have Lord wash it out of me cleanse it out of me Lord remove it out of me God I want holiness on the inside uh, and I want holiness on the out uh, God I pray in these coming weeks as we dive into your word uh, and we begin to dig into your apostolic standards that are for us, uh, your apostolic distinctives, Lord, I pray that we get a hold of a revelation of why we live this way. Uh, we're not doing this just so somebody can pat us on the back, uh, but God, we want to fall in love with your word. We want to fall in love with holiness uh, and live a life that is pleasing to you on the inside uh, and on the out. Uh, can we just lift our hands and just love him for here for just a second as we begin to close.